Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Pick up your phone and call right now. 800-932-5517. 800-932-5517. Once again, that's 800-932-5517. Is it time? Let's do this. It's time for Real Golf Radio, the longest-running nationally syndicated golf show in the country. With insights and experience of professional golfer Bob Casper, son of Hall of Famer Billy Casper, and the passion and, uh, well, fun of Brian Taylor. Nice. Here they are, the hosts of Real Golf Radio, Brian and Bob. Hello again and welcome to another edition of Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor with you. Bob Casper, normally alongside. He's out this week, but got a great lineup for you and some guests to fill in some time. Uh, we thank you for spending it with us as we look forward to next week's U.S. Open Championship at Wingfoot. Always look forward to this venue and hard to believe it's been 14 years since Phil Mickelson had a one-stroke lead playing the 72nd hole and would make a double bogey and proclaim that he is such an idiot, and uh, this is also the year that we got It's Dangerous. It really is, talking about the rough. Wingfoot is absolutely a classic U.S. Open venue, and it is going to be fun to see these players try to navigate the challenge that is Wingfoot. We're talking about really deep grass. Yeah, it's called rough for a reason. It's This rough is really rough. It gives definition to that. You've got uh, some narrow fairways. You've got uh, really firm greens. You've got some tricky bunkers. You've got some trees that can get in the way. And you've just it just all adds up to a very challenging mental and physical challenge to claim the title of U.S. Open champion. So we'll talk about that. We're going to welcome in America's favorite caddy. We'll get his take on Wingfoot. Jeff Babineau, senior writer and a good friend, will also join us here on hour number one. And then on the back nine, hour number two, we're going to catch up with Guy Yoakum, senior writer for Golf Digest. He's been around a long time. He's a good friend of ours as well, and he spends an extended period of time with us talking about some of the memories from Wingfoot, his impressions, what you can expect, some players to watch for. Uh, we'll really get into it on the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio. Plus, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. we got to look back a little bit as well. Congratulations to Dustin Johnson, who claimed this year's FedEx Cup trophy along with the 15 million dollars and of course he wins the tour championship uh there's a discussion that goes along with this of course and we'll get into that coming up in just a couple of minutes was Xander Schauffele had the low score for four rounds but he did not win the event that is a bit odd uh I know a lot of people take exception to that Dustin Johnson had a seven shot advantage to begin the week and still was able to hang on 
and win. We'll talk about that and uh, what that means for DJ, what it means for the rest of the players, and uh, some news and notes as well going out of uh, what was the end of a season, a very short off season, and now a new season, which is upon us, and another major just around the corner. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks for being with us. I'm Brian Taylor uh, with Real Golf Radio. Twitter handle is at Real Golf. Give us a follow there. Dave Glauser producing. As I mentioned, Bob's out. We'll get into it all next. Thanks for joining us right here on Real Golf Radio. In golf, we love the way technology helps us better enjoy the game. The same goes for our other pursuits. If fly fishing is one of those, let me introduce you to the River Quiver. Fly fishing is about the journey, moving from spot to spot until you land that fish you've been looking for all day. Well, what do you do with your rod? Break it down, hang it out the back window? You're not going to let it roll around in the back of your truck. Just slide it in your River Quiver, fully assembled and ready to fish. This premium rooftop fly rod holder is designed to protect your rod and give you more time on the water to catch more fish. Locked, low ready to fish find your river quiver at riversmith.com to be the number one irons in golf for five consecutive years and counting callaway can't stop pushing the limits that's why they've used artificial intelligence to create the new maverick irons ai has uniquely engineered a flash face cup in every maverick iron to maximize distance throughout your entire set while each club's center of gravity is precisely positioned to optimize launch new distance is out there Take the Maverick to find it. Get new distance at CallawayGolf.com. Callaway, the number one irons in golf. How did we create our most advanced tour ball ever? We invested and built one of the most advanced golf ball facilities in the world. Inside and out, we've re-engineered every aspect of ChromeSoft to create our fastest, highest quality, and most consistent tour ball ever. A new era of innovation has built a ball for total performance. The new Chrome Soft. This ball changes everything. Those who know love heading to St. George, Utah for year-round fun, especially golf. But where to stay is always a challenge, and getting a tee time can be tough. What if there was a Scottsdale-style golf resort in St. George where you can stay and play? And what if you could own your own residence there? Well, now there is. Introducing Black Desert Resort at Entrada. The second and final chapter of the Entrada Vision offers a full community with exceptional amenities from residential villages, hiking trails through preserved lava flows, spa, world-class dining and shopping, and a Tom Weiskopf Championship Golf Course. It's literally an outdoor paradise that will strengthen family bonds and make lifelong memories. That's life at Black Desert. Find out how you can stake your claim at blackdesertresort.com blackdesertresort.com exclusive real estate opportunities are available now black desert resort at entrada unlike anything you've experienced before now back to real golf radio with brian and bob all right welcome back to the show brian taylor bob casper out this week Yes, he is uh, up in Alaska, actually, on a hunting trip. He'll be back next week and join us as we cover the U.S. Open. Uh, unfortunately, we will not be at Wingfoot, just very limited media that is going to be there, but we will be bringing you our impressions and insights as the tournament gets underway next week. And by the way, this segment and Real Golf Radio is brought to you by Callaway Golf. You could be hitting the ball further, and that's why Callaway has brought back the new Big Bertha B21. It's a new formula for distance built to take away the big miss out of your game and invite you 
back to the fairway. Check it out at CallawayGolf.com. These are uh, very much game improvement technology built in here to help you hit it far and uh, hopefully hit it a little straighter. And that's going to be key next week to wing, at Wingfoot. Uh, I, I have so many memories of being back there in 2006. Um, the, the opportunity to, you, you know, be right in the locker room, sitting literally next to Jeff Ogilvie, watching the coverage. The TV cameras are in the locker room showing Jeff watching the coverage as player after player comes down the stretch and just can't get it done. And Jeff Ogilvie emerges as the U.S. Open champ. And, of course, you know, uh, most people remember Phil Mickelson and what he did coming down the stretch, the double bogey that he made, hitting it way left. Uh, You talk about the big miss. I mean, way left out there, off the merchandise tent, back into the trees. He tried to pull off the hero shot, and it only, um, you know, gave him a, a tough shot again. Basically hit the trees, came back. And, uh, and and he was he was forced to try to make something happen that he wasn't able to make happen. It's just, it's a real shame. A guy that is six times a runner-up, and he was oh so close, especially in New York. I mean, look at that in 2006 at Wingfoot. Look at 2004 at Shinnecock. You know, the, uh, the pebble in the bunker on 17, what Retief Goosen did. What do you have, 11, ridiculously 11 putts uh, coming down the stretch. And, and Phil Mickelson just, you know, uh, again, so much talent and oh so close in this particular major championship, unable to get it done. But, um, you know, just uh, 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 an incredible test ahead for these players. Let, let's look back before we go forward, and we'll continue to do that. Let's look back for a minute last week. What did you think? about the tour championship. This is the second year now that we've had this setup where you get FedEx strokes. And so, you know, DJ starts because he's number one, he's earned it through the playoffs and through his play through the regular season. He starts at 10 under par. Now Xander Shoffley and Justin Thomas end up finishing tied for second. Justin started three back and he ended up finishing three back. Xander Shoffley also finished three back, but he started seven strokes behind Dustin Johnson. So he outplayed him by four over four rounds. So it's basically a shot around. And yet uh, Xander doesn't end up with, uh, you know, a victory, doesn't add to his career total, any of those types of things. But it's amazing how Xander plays Eastlake. 16 rounds at Eastlake, all of them at par or better. I mean, that's amazing. It's a hard golf course. Uh, You just look at the second round. In particular, Xander shoots five under par, and DJ shoots even. Justin Thomas, one over. John Rahm, plus four. That's your top four guys. And there's Xander at five under par that round. So, yeah, obviously he's playing some good golf. He's definitely one of my picks when you look at next week at Wingfoot. Um, Dustin Johnson uh, wins the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship. For the first time in his career, he becomes the first number one seed to win the FedEx Cup since Tiger Woods did it back in 2009. So um, pretty uh, pretty good company there. He also now has six wins in the playoffs, and that is the most of anybody. So DJ showing himself as a big gamer and playing some phenomenal golf. Again, didn't drive it very well, but hit the shots that he needed to. 
hit some incredible bunker shots, fairway bunker shots, made some putts. Uh, I thought the, the clutch putt on 16 was super impressive after Xander just rolled his in. And, and, and that was a key to keeping that thing going. But uh, I'll tell you what, DJ seemingly firing on all cylinders. He's, he's what, got two wins and a second in a playoff? Uh, so far in the in the in the FedEx Cups or through the three FedEx Cup playoff events. So, do you like his chances going into Wingfoot? You have to like his chances. He's number one player in the world. and He's on fire, but you got to hit some fairways when it comes to East Lake. We're going to talk more about that. We'll get into this U.S. Open discussion. We'll get more insights from some of our guests, including the caddy on this particular topic, and get into U.S. Open coverage. Jeff Babineau to join us still to come as well. Thanks for being with us. Brian Taylor with you. Bob Casper's out this week. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Hotel Park City, along with the Spa and Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, are open. Parents were tired, forced into homeschooling, juggling work at home and kids at home. Well, take a staycation and escape to Hotel Park City. The pool's open, fitness center, bandanas grill, Ruth's Chris, the spa, and the golf course. From suites and the cottages that offer private hot tubs on the balcony and three fireplaces, you got to get away. To Hotel Park City, call 435 940 5077. That's 435 940 5077 for reservations today. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried and Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried and Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. You might know Mountain Land Supply for its plumbing products, but did you know Mountain Land Supply also carries landscaping, irrigation supplies, and tools? They can help you design and calculate the exact feet of pipe, sprinkler heads, and nozzles to use for your yard. Using smartphone technology, you can even control your watering with state-of-the-art controllers. For all your landscaping needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. 
now back to Real Golf Radio, talking golf back when 300-yard drives were big. For real, here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian Taylor, Bob's out uh, this week. We're looking uh, ahead to next week's U.S. Open Championship, as well as looking back on the completion of the FedEx Cup and the playoffs last week of the Tour Championship, Dustin Johnson getting the W. And by the way, this segment is brought to you by Callaway Golf and the all-new Big Bertha B21 family. The new Big Bertha family is engineered for distance anyway. You swing it, check it out at CallawayGolf.com. And uh, let's get out to our next guest. There are bag rats. And then there are caddies. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is, the caddy on Real Golf Radio. Yeah, the caddy joins us uh, weekly here on Real Golf Radio. Always a pleasure to have him alongside, especially when Bob's not here. That uh, gives us a chance for the caddy to actually address me rather than always just addressing Bob. I, not that I have a complex about it or anything, but anyway, hey, caddy, how are you, man? Hey, Bob, if you're listening, how's it going? <laughs> hey, what's up, Brian? Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. Hey, uh, so thank you for joining the show. Uh, how about that? We completed a season, we had an off season, and we've started a new season all since the last time we spoke a week ago. We have, and we've kind of, it seems like we've had either the longest season or a short season or two seasons to get through the first season. And now we're in this. <laughs> it has been a most uh, peculiar year indeed. Uh, just your, your initial thoughts on Dustin Johnson winning the FedEx cup last week. Watching Dustin Johnson play the last few weeks, you, you just wonder what he's not going to win. You don't, you look at the next bunch of terms and say, well, which ones do you think he might win? It, it's probably better to say which ones won't he win because he looks so good. Wow. Just a fun to watch. Poetry in motion. What can you say? He's, he's different, right? Obviously, he's amazing power. Different than Brooks Kepka, different than Rory McIlroy. We've had this discussion, I don't know how many times on the show, and I think the three of us have all conceded that if they're playing their best, we like Rory. And yet you watch what DJ has done and you go back even a summer ago and watch what Brooks was doing and you, you start to go, wow, uh, I don't know. It, these guys are so good that when they're in the zone, they all look unbeatable, don't they? Yeah, they, that, that's probably the best way to describe it is when they're all really ro- rocking and rolling. It's, they're all so impressive. It, w- it would be really neat to see two or three of them all in the groove at the same time. <laughs> You know, winning, winning, beating the field by 10 shots amongst the three of them and leaving everybody in the dust, kind of like Nicholas and Watson did that one time and Stenson and Mickelson did at the Open that one time. And But, yeah, did, just for pure, um, pure like, wow, I wish I could move like that or know what that feels like to do that, You, that's Rory or Dustin. And Brooks is more just, Wow, what it would what would it like to be that strong and hit a golf ball? Um, no, I yeah, thought that was Bryson. That way, I thought that was Bryson. <laughs> well, yeah, well, <laughs> Bryson's uh, Bryson might get in this discussion someday, but he's not quite in not quite in that stratosphere yet. So, 
there's always yeah, there's always a situation with the tour championship and the FedEx Cup um, where you know you you have discussion about how it all came down. Well, for years it was well, congratulations to Phil Mickelson who won the tour championship, and congratulations to Tiger Woods standing alongside of him who captured the FedEx Cup. He didn't win the tour championship, but he did win the FedEx Cup. And so you know, last year they decided to to put this strokes FedEx strokes right uh in play and so dustin johnson starts seven shots ahead of xander shoffley and three ahead of justin thomas who both finished three behind dj and that was the end of it so the tour championship is essentially the fedex cup winner and the culmination in the playoffs but when you look at it you go god xander shoffley shot 15 under par for four rounds dj shot 11 under par for four rounds, and yet DJ was the winner. Some people have an issue with that. What side of the fence do you fall on? Well, if I'm Xander Shoffley's caddy or accountant, I'm going to hope we never go away from Eastlake, first of all, because he just owns that place. I mean, that talk about the course for a horse. Xander plays great at Eastlake. But, yeah, it's the, I think the great thing about the FedEx Cup and trying to figure out how to really resolve it and this and that is that it gives everybody a chance to complain about how it's done <laughs> because, you know, I mean, just, it's, I, I, it, it, it's just weird to me to have a 72 hole golf tournament. That's not a golf tournament kind of. Um, so Xander shoots the low score for 72 holes, but it doesn't really mean a win or anything else that comes with a win. And I get, you know, it's sure. It's, a, it's not really a 72 hole tournament it's a 72 hole culmination of a, a year-long competition and just a way to finish it off so totally understand it they want the focus to be on the fedex cup winner and not t- probably not detract from it from saying oh this guy won the tournament this week but you know so but it, it it's just different and i feel i always feel a little weird about how it's not a tournament win if you win the tournament. Yeah. So I'll join the, the group of everybody who complains about it all the time. So. <laughs> Caddy joining <laughs> me here right here on Real Golf Radio. Interesting about Xander. Uh, he posted his 16th consecutive round at par or better in as many attempts at Eastlake. I mean, to your point, that that is a difficult golf course. And when you look at, what was it, the second round, you know, Xander goes out and shoots five under. DJ only managed even. JT shot one over, and Rom shot four over. That's your that's your top four players as they finished out. And yet it was Xander during those conditions that you know basically lapped him. So um, you know the guy's never broke. He's never shot over par uh, on this golf course, which is super easy to do. It's not. He's played sixteen rounds there without shooting over par. That's not. I would have said no nobody could do that you can't do that how do you do that that course is hard <laughs> i mean it's legit that's crazy mm, well i'm telling you yeah there you go i mean hope, he's hoping they never leave Eastlake. well and so have a few I, more tournaments at Eastlake. he'll be player of the year there, there, there you go so. there you go hey speaking of player of the year uh before we transition over to uh wingfoot next week Justin Thomas uh, wins player of the year from the PGA of America's points standpoint. Uh, now you still have the PGA tour and they're voting. Uh, what, what's your take mm. on that? Uh, uh, you know, DJ with now three wins and including two playoff yeah. wins, if you call it that. And 
the FedEx Cup yeah. champion. What, what what do you think? Uh, well, I will just simply say, uh, and I'll we can we can bring this we can revisit this as, as if I'm wrong, but I'm going to go Janet Jackson here, and it's going to be what have you done for me lately? And Dustin Johnson will win the Player of the Year voting amongst the tour players, and it won't be close. Mm. What yeah. have you done for me lately? Yeah. And it's 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 not just what have you done for me lately. I mean, look look what he he won the FedEx Cup, but he was so dominant. It was like wow. Remember, we were just talking a minute ago about the guys in full flight, and we did bring up JT. Now, I've also made a prediction that JT will actually win the most tournaments of anybody playing right now over the next five years. Justin Thomas will win more tournaments than anybody over the next five years. So why didn't I bring him up in that group, right? I mean, is this like another Brooks Kepka thing for JT? or I You just disrespected probably... him. He is going to be pissed. Well, I'm not disrespecting him. I'm going to tell you. I just said he's going to win more tournaments in the next five years. Than <laughs> but you didn't bring else. his name up before, so there you go. But I, but it, well, I didn't bring him up in that you know guys at their best when they're rocking and rolling kind of a thing. But I actually think, I think he may have possibly the best swing on tour. Um, I mean, I can go on all kinds of cool stuff about JT that I love. He can putt well. He's very competitive. He's not scared of anything. It looks like he's uh, certainly not scared to win anything. Uh, he's probably the best blend of modern golf swing, how to hit a driver long at this level, but also how to have a different golf swing, in my opinion, with your short clubs. And so he's a pretty good player with the short clubs, which that's not an easy combination to hit. And he does that, I think, better than anybody. So, I mean, I couldn't think higher of him. And I, I think he'll win more than DJ and Ror- more than Rory. And more than Brooks over the next five years. I mm. really do. Mm. Caddy yeah. joining us here on Real Golf Radio. So let's take the, that discussion about those players and now look forward to Wingfoot next week. Um, yeah, Eastlake's tough. I'd say Wingfoot ratchets it up another notch, and especially when the USGA is involved. It, it is going to be tough sledding next week, huh? Yeah, that's – it's just – there are just some gems in the world, and that's one of them. And I think it's the it's the primo U.S. Open course. Um, Oakmont is extremely difficult. You, I, I'd throw those two in there as far as being one of the toughest U.S. Open, just pure tough tests that you don't have to do anything, just put in the U.S. Open flag and go play the U.S. Open. That's Oakmont and Wingfoot. Um, I think Wingfoot might be – is it tougher than Oakmont? I'm not sure. It. Yeah, it, it, it may be. It's a little more of a kind of a pure golf course than Oakmont. Oakmont has some dastardly things just put in there to really mess with you. Some brutal bunkers. Like if you hit in the bunkers off the tee on number one, you're just wedging out. Wingfoot doesn't really have wedge out bunkers. You can play out of them. It's got greens that'll compete with Oakmont for difficulty, no question. But well, yeah. Wingfoot's just there's there's not it, there's nothing crazy there's not a whole ton of bunkers on it it's just a little dogleg right here a little dogleg up there there's some trees in the way and some it's really deep grass <laughs> and some really awesome rough yeah <laughs> but it's just it's just it's kind of look for me it's just when I grew up I think of the U.S. Open I think of 
those courses in New York with the rolling, rolling terrain, a little bit of rolling terrain and the big oak trees and the deep rough and just impossible. And that's what it's just embodied by Wingfoot. It's just awesome. So JT is one of the guys I'm looking at next week. He is leading the tour through the tour championship in strokes gain T to green. I think that's going to be huge uh, next week. I also look at the way Xander's playing. Yeah, he didn't win the FedEx Cup, but, you know, for him to be in the form that he is and basically play the best over those four rounds and come up short would probably fuel him. It means he's in form, uh, but he just started too far back, and so he's a guy. Plus, it's going to be such a grind. Maybe a guy like like Xander, you know, with, with his – mentality is just who you need when you go into a place like Wingfoot. Agreed. I, I still think one of the most amazing things I've witnessed in golf in my many years watching is Phil Mickelson missing all the fairways, the final round of that U S open and still being just like one over for the day or something coming to 18. That's not, it's it, look, you cannot even Phil Mickelson can't do that. It, it's just impossible. So, Ruling out that Houdini, uh, because there really isn't another Houdini on tour like Phil. I mean, who are the Houdinis? Phil and Seve. And then somebody who before them, maybe Arnold Palmer. But there's no Houdini on tour right now. Um, So you've got to go with the guys who really strike the ball really well. Because you you, you miss fairways at... At Wingfoot, it just isn't happening. Mm. Justin Leonard actually did. He did a great job of it. Remember when Davis was winning the PGA there? I think it was, if my, unless my memory's foggy, I think Justin was playing with him. Or Justin missed a bunch of fairways and, and, and was getting it up and down from 70 yards. It was like an exhibition. But you just you might be able to get away right with that for part of a round or one round. But you, you just gotta, you got to hit it good. You got to put it in the right place on the greens. You got to putt pretty well because it's easy to three putt. Um, but yeah, you you've got to strike the ball well. You've got to drive it well, and it's long. It's a long enough course that take a guy like Brandon Todd who's been playing awesome, and let's say he's hitting lots of fairways. He could still do pretty well there. Uh, that's what Hale Irwin did. Don't forget, mm-hmm. Hale won there, and Hale never hit it long. Never hit it long, but he hit a lot of fairways, and he hit a lot of good long iron. So, a guy like that could 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 get in there. So, well, it's going to be fun I'm to just, see. I Who, can't wait. Are you yeah. going to pick your winner? You got any feelings? Uh, so so, I mean, I actually watching how DJ's played lately. I said, well, I'm going to give him at least – I'm going to give him one of the two majors coming up, either mm-hmm. the U.S. Open or, or the Masters. I'm going to give him one of those two. And who gets the other one? I. It's going to be boring, but I'm going to go with the usual suspects, like the guys you just named. I'm going to – I don't know. I, I'd like to throw Rory in there, and he played pretty good at Eastlake. But he hasn't been that – kind of consistent since he's come back. So JT, he's got to, he's got to have a good shot at it. And the way Xander played Eastlake, I mean, that's just how you have to play it at Wingfoot. So, you know, maybe, maybe a a little more of a dark horse there because he's not quite up in the, in, in in the same, same level of, of JT and, 
and uh, Rory and Brooks. And, of course, Brooks isn't even there. That's a bummer. But, yeah, I, DJ, DJ would be my – he's my number one pick. Yeah, well, number one in the I, world, and I, he's hot, hottest player on the planet. So it's a good pick, man. I like it. All right, yeah, Caddy. We're out of time, but uh, great stuff as always. And uh, enjoy the Open next week. We'll talk to you next week. See how it's going. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. No, see, there you go. No, thank you, gentlemen, because it's just me. You want the thank you, sir. We got, he just, he's on the fly. He's on the ball. All right. We got to take a break. We'll come back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Jeff Babado joins us next right here on Real Golf Radio. Have you heard? There's an all-new experience coming to St. George, Utah. Black Desert Resort at Entrada is a full community resort experience featuring a resort hotel, private residences, world-class dining and shopping, a Tom Weiskopf designed championship golf course, and so much more. With a simple message of remarkable within reach, Black Desert Resort beckons you to visit and even stay for a lifetime. Exclusive real estate opportunities are available at blackdesertresort.com. Black Desert Resort at Entrada unlike anything you've experienced before. When it comes to putting, alignment is arguably the most important part of the equation. Okay, let's face it. If you're not lined up correctly, the odds of you making anything are next to nothing. Which is why Odyssey continues to set the standard for performance with the new triple track putters. The distinct triple track alignment lines that you've seen on Callaway golf balls, they're now featured on the new triple track putters from Odyssey. It's shocking how much easier it is to line up your putts. Wow. Triple track technology utilizes a principle called, you ready for this, vernier hyperacuity. What? To improve your alignment and your putting accuracy. That's that same visual technology used to land jets on aircraft carriers. Hey, now that's reliable and accurate. And once you're lined up, you can focus on making a great stroke. Just like Bob always does, which is even easier since every triple track putter has a multi-material consistency enhancing stroke lab shaft that's been winning major championships and dominating at tour events around the world. Get lined up with the new triple track putters at odysseygolf.com. Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. Callaway knows you can't create new distance by doing the same old, same old. It takes unconventional thinking to create something transformative, and that's what Callaway did with the new Maverick driver. Maverick's Flashface SS20 was designed using artificial intelligence, a powerful supercomputer tested and refined thousands of virtual prototypes until it created Callaway's fastest, most forgiving driver possible. New distance is out there. It takes a Maverick to find it. Explore Maverick drivers at CallawayGolf.com. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Now back to Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian Taylor, Bob's out this week. Looking forward to next week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot, and really excited to welcome in a good friend of ours. Uh, we were together, uh, not really together together, but we were both in the same press room back in 2006 at Wingfoot, the last time the U.S. Open was contested there. Jeff Babineau joining us right now. Hey, Jeff, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm, I'm having a hard time even remembering back that far. You know the thing that sticks out to me? Well, there's there's several there's three things. Mike Weir, uh, of course, uh, local guy here in Utah, so we spent quite a bit of time with him. He was three years removed from winning the Masters. He'd won the Riviera a couple times, and I remember him talking about you know loving the challenge of, of the golf course, and, and he made a comment that anyone that's complaining about the golf course has no chance. So I remember that comment stood out to me. The other one was uh, Steve Stricker kind of made a comeback. Uh, at mm. That was sort of a turning point in his career and, and started almost like a second career for Strick. 
And the other thing that stood out to me is I did not was not a fan of Colin Montgomery until that week <laughs> sitting in the press conference with him a couple of times, and he had me in stitches. And I thought, this guy is hilarious. He's not the enemy of the state that we all made him out to be in Ryder Cups. I mean, the guy is just a, he is a crack up, and I became a huge Monty fan. So, so those, were, those were the things that stood out to me, along with the obvious ones of Phil Mickelson and you know calling himself an idiot after and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. I enjoyed that, that U.S. Open in 06. Yeah, I I do. Uh, the memory I have there is going out. I was going to walk out and catch the leaders coming in, and I'm walking backwards from 18, and I have to stop because Jeff Ogilvie's on the side. I'm pretty sure it was 17. He's off on the side of the green. He's got a long chip, and he chips it in. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's that's good for him. You know, he's probably climbing up. He's going to be top three, maybe something like that. And 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 even him, he wasn't overly excited about it. Um, and, and then just behind him, the whole world collapsed, you know, all those guys, there were so many people not there and they all just hand their way strokes down the stretch. You know, you know, Furyk was in there, Matthews yep. was in there, Phil was in there. And you said Stricker, I think Harrington had a piece of that. Um, and it was just amazing one by one. It was, it was kind of reminiscent a little bit of, um, the year when Ben Curtis won and he made a putt on the last hole at, at uh, St. George's in the open championship and you said well isn't that nice ben curtis is going to finish third this week and uh next thing you know he's holding the claire jug so it was just a really strange sunday that's that's what i remember from 06 so let's keep putting these little memories together i I didn't intend to go down this road but this is fun so (laughs) bob and i found ourselves in the clubhouse again it was mass hysteria around phil mickelson right this was phil had won right. two and majors in a row he won the 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 05 pga and the masters of 06 so he's coming into the us open looking for three straight tiger had just missed his first cut in a major championship i believe as a professional and you know his father had passed away so this was not like it was a turning of the tide we were talking about Take it, you know, Phil Mickelson potentially taking over world number one. You know, this is this was a massive thing. Nobody had ever even come close to Tiger, and here Phil was about to win three in a row. He had a one shot lead with one to play, and uh, we found ourselves in the locker room watching this and. All of a sudden, there was kind of a scuffle around us, and we realized that Jeff Ogilvie had come and sat down right next to us in the locker room to watch the finish on TV. So Bob and I are sitting next to Ogilvie in the locker room with the, with the Golf Channel camera, or I guess it would have been uh, NBC cameras, that were on Ogilvie watching filming Ogilvie watching you know the coverage and we're sitting right there kind of watching it all play out from behind the scenes and then Jeff celebrating at the end it was it was kind of a weird I don't think I've ever been in that type of a situation before but it was it was pretty cool yeah that's a weird one you know you bring up Phil uh people forget that that he had won the previous two majors I mean he's a par away from three in a row and chasing the only you know the Phil slam right yeah um people forget that I mean that was a huge momentum killer for him and, and just amazing that he wasn't even able to make bogey on that hole. Um, you know, Monty from the middle of the fairway with a nine you know, iron, Mr. Precision, he had a little longer than that, but seven but, iron, you know, okay. Mr. Mr. Yeah. Precision. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, not getting it done. And, uh, yeah. So there were some shocking things with that. And, and yeah, I remember that massive, uh, a massive clubhouse and locker room in there and just the, Kind of the overall, it was like a Van Develian moment <laughs> of the shock, you know, when you, you kind of, it's one of those ones you talk more about the guys who didn't win than the guy who did. 
And then classic Phil, right? I mean, right afterwards, just, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I mean, was that, I'm like, yeah. I'm not sure there are better quotes than, I mean, not, not that that's good, hey. but I mean, it, it's right up there with as far as quotes go in golf lore. That was perfect. And I mean, he, he nailed it. I mean, it's just, uh, it was just a shock to watch, you know, was, at the time it was classic Phil, right? You got, that's what you got with Phil. It was an all or nothing type thing. And, uh, he just, he threw that one away. So do you, do you go back to the driver? I mean, a lot of people said Bones should have just pulled that driver and started walking down the fairway with it. But uh, So he hits it off the merchandise tent. I mean, way yeah. left. I mean, like way left. And, and now he's yeah. in those trees. But then he made some errors in those trees trying to pull off a hero shot from there when in reality a pitch out and, you know, if nothing else, it gets him into a playoff, right? So uh, I, right. I, I tend to look at the – I remember, you know, as a kid, Johnny Miller said to me one time, he says, you know, the first rule of when you're in trouble – is to get out of trouble. And right, sometimes yeah. that's hard because you want to try to still salvage what you had hoped to have happen on that hole when you put the peg in the, in the tee, right? And so on the tee box. And, and yet he, in that scenario, if he would have just pitched that sucker out instead of trying to pull off the hero shot that hit the tree and dropped down and left him with an impossible next shot, uh, th- th- you just go back on that and you're, you're right. That was kind of stupid, Phil. <laughs> and, it was, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I do remember, you know, we got to play that golf course on Monday. I remember our, our Unbelievable. I mean, the guy who just won the tournament shot five under. What are a bunch of us media hacks going to do on a Monday out at that place? You know, the rough was up to your shins, and it was crazy. But I do remember standing the next day on that 18th tee and looking at that tee shot. It, it bends gently to the left and thinking Phil was fine with the driver there. He just has to hit his stock cut driver, that's all. He mm-hmm. just didn't hit the shot. So, yeah, a lot of people put it on the tee shot. I agree with you. I mean, he messed up not just getting out of trouble, getting his five, taking his medicine. If you have to play on Monday back then in an 18-hole playoff, that's what you do. So he just got, you know, Phil's Phil. Phil gets greedy, and Phil got a little greedy, and it cost him, and and he wasn't alone that day. You know, a lot of guys stood up at that podium behind that 18th green just shell-shocked at what had just happened. Jeff Babineau joining us here on Real Golf Radio. So when you look at uh, Wingfoot, you know, as a U.S. Open venue, and we saw the announcement from the USGA with Pinehurst being a, an anchor venue, we're going to see number two more often, and they're going to put down some real estate there for the USGA. Uh, you you got uh, to start wondering, you know, uh, how often are we going to see Wingfoot? And it's, it, to me, this is a – when you look back at history, a lot of people will say – this golf course requires nothing other than switching the flags from a Wingfoot flag to a USGA flag, and you've got a U.S. Open setup. How, what's your feelings and thoughts around Wingfoot? Yeah, I mean, I think Wingfoot. If you're if you're going to go to a you know a Rota, quote unquote, I mean, you look at where the USGA has been. Right in the last decade, we've taken some chances. We went to you know Chambers Bay. We went to Aaron Hills. These were these were courses not even tested with any kind of tournament out there. Right. It, just threw into a U.S. Open mix. Um, went to Marion, which is a terrific place, but had to make it pretty hard to challenge these guys with length, which is what you're going to see when we go to uh, the country club in a couple of years, right? I mean, the way these guys are hitting the ball these days, how are you going to throttle them back a little? So it's a big challenge. But I think if you look at a, at a permanent kind of rota and it's just a handful of courses, you know, Wingfoot just fits the bill so well. Um, it's got the history. It's, it's so tough. It's, um, you know, as I guess Ernie Ells would call it proper, a proper tournament venue. Um, and 
you know, do you put a Shinnecock in there or do you alternate those? You've got Pebble Beach in there. You have Pinehurst, you have Oakmont. Um, so, and it's, it's going to be interesting. So I think we're going to see less of the uh, opportunities to head out of the box a little bit and take a chance and, uh, you know, go to an, an LACC that we're going to see or things like that. So, um, but I, I, you know, you go to a Wingfoot and it's a U.S. Open venue all the way through. I mean, you can throw on the blue blazer and, and really feel it at that place. So uh, I, I, you know, when the U.S. Open's going there, it certainly gets my attention. Great logo too, right? Good lo- yeah, good logo. <laughs> I love great the logo. Stuff, yeah. I love the logo. Well, they're going to get a great second course there that they use for parking, right? I mean, not too many places have a top 100 course that's used to park cars on it. So. <laughs> Good point. Pretty pretty good spot. That's a really, really good point. Jeff Babino joining me here on Real Golf Radio. Looking forward to next week's U.S. Open. All right, I, I guess we've got to talk about some players here. And uh, Brooks Kepka making the announcement this week, the two-time U.S. Open champ, that he has withdrawn from next week's tournament uh, due to the lingering injuries. And, and that's that's a bit of a surprise. I guess everyone's going to Monday morning quarterback him now, right? Because, you know, Tiger had a procedure at the same time last year, and he's been able to come back and play. Play and and Brooks went for the you know alternative you know approach and he's continued to have lingering uh, uh, issues with that knee. What are what are your thoughts? What do you know about uh, about Brooks? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of expecting him to bounce back. Um, you know, he had the bad Sunday at the PGA Championship, and I, I really think that was just a just a weird, strange, bad day for him. I mean, he's been the guy at, at majors. He was going to go into this as the second betting favorite behind only, you know, Dustin Johnson, who's the hottest guy on the planet. Um, so I was kind of expecting him to hop back in there, be rested without, you know, being in part of the playoffs and, and bouncing right back in there. So I was a little shocked to see him, uh, WD, and it tells you that knee bothers him more than he probably lets on. Uh, so, but you have a lot of guys playing playing pretty well. Uh, they've played a lot of golf. They only have a few days this week to kind of catch a breath and they're right back on it on a course that's a real grind. So you know, it's going to be a, a big mental test, I think, for these guys because they're not going to be really that fresh. Uh, how much are they going to battle and, you know, weather some bogeys and keep their chin up and, you know, like a Roy, if you're a Roy McIlroy, how, how hard are you going to fight? So uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, – sets up as a cool, you know, a – kind of a truer U.S. Open, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Do you think it uh, – I know, I know you mentioned DJ, obviously pretty impressive what he's been able to do, but is there somebody you like? I mean, I don't think we were thinking Colin Morikawa, you know, out there at uh, Harding right. Park. So, But but that kind of a game would suit well at, at Wingfoot. I mean, you've got to hit fairways, as you talked about. You know, and I was out there on Monday after in 06 as well. If you hit fairways, you can you can hit greens and, and you can make a score. But, boy, it is, especially without any spectators. You remember we saw some graduated rough there also, an approach yeah, at, right. at uh, Wingfoot. Well, there's no graduated rough and there's nowhere where people are going to trample down. So the big miss will be penalized as equal as the little miss. And um, you, you got to hit fairways. You have to hit fairways. And, and, you know, coming out of the PGA, I mean, there was some uh, rough at Harding Park, but it was kind of spotty. And you saw guys hitting, you know, three fairways, five fairways, and still shooting decent numbers. I don't think you'll see that at the – you won't see that at Wingfoot. I mean, you're not going to see around like DJ had at Eastlake when he hit two fairways 
and still gets to the house under par, you know, uh, you're not going to see that. You, it's a premium. So, and Morikawa, you know, he, he showed nicely last week. He, he kind of, his game had taken a little dip after winning the first major, which is understandable. You have new expectations and your whole world is spinning. But I like the way he played last week. And I mean, he's got the perfect game uh, at a wing foot where he hits a lot of fairways and, and hits the ball so well. Uh, Shoffley is another guy mm. I would probably have my eye on. I just think this kid, he's, he's quietly, you know, you have Kepka that rises in these big tournaments. Well, look at Shoffley's record in the majors. He just quietly is there all the time, it seems. And he just hasn't broken through. So I think he's going to break through pretty soon. And, and for those guys, it's a, it's a hot putting week, right? I mean, Morikawa had a hot putter at PGA. He's not known as a great putter. It's not his biggest strength. So again, with Shoffley, uh, or, you know, the way Justin Thomas was hitting it last week, if he gets the putter going, it's those guys that uh, I think you're going to have a guy, you know, it's going to be the cream type guy rises there. Yeah, you look at past champions. I uh, mentioned, you know, uh, Billy Casper in 1959, but, you know, Bobby Jones won the U.S. Open in 29 as an amateur. So you got Bobby Jones, Billy Casper, Hale Irwin in uh, 74, the massacre, Fuzzy Zeller in 84, and then Jeff Ogilvy in 06. And then, you know, Ryan Moore captured the USAM there in 04. Uh, Davis right. Love captured the PGA there in 97. I'm not sure I'm ready to quite, you know, I probably played a little bit different, um, although still still tough, right? But so those yeah, are the type right. of players. I don't know if you can pick and say, what do all those guys have in common? I mean, certainly Bobby Jones, Billy Casper, great putters, right? Hell, Irwin. Um, yeah, I, I don't I, It's I don't know exactly what the common thread is there for all those. Yeah, I mean, you got some Hall of Fame type guys in there, right? I mean, Jones and Casper and Irwin, you know, three, three U.S. Opens. Um, he was there in uh, 06. I remember him walking out of the locker room at a practice day, and we go, how's the uh, course look compared to the, the massacre in 74? And he said, uh, the sandwich out of the rough is just as effective. <laughs> so uh, they, they were ready for, you know, hitting the, hitting the ball off the fairway there is going to be a penalty. And, um, yeah, I think your, your common thread there, if you went back and, and talked to all those guys, I, I got to think they all drove it well that week. Um, it's that's a big key. I mean, that was when when we had the U.S. Opens there in the in the seventies and eighties, uh, maybe early nineties. That's when you always thought about a U.S. Open. You have to drive the ball really well um, and and get it in play. So you can't just smash it as far as you can and, and take your chances. You know, getting out of the rough there because. Uh, a wing foot. I'm not sure that phone is going to work. Yeah. Well, it's good stuff. Hey, Jeff, we appreciate you taking some time. Fun to reminisce about that uh, 06 Open, and I, I'm looking forward to what history will tell about the 2020 U.S. Open. Played at an unusual time without fans in an, a most unusual year, but a very classic venue, and here's hoping it, uh, it goes well and, and shows well, huh? I hope so. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, bud. All right. You got it, man. There we'll you go. To you soon. Yep. Jeff Babineau joining me right here on Real Golf Radio. Looking forward to next week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot. We'll take a short break. More Real Golf continues next. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This 
is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Temperatures are rising, and you know what that means. It's time to turn your water on your sprinklers. Turn to the experts at Mountainland Supply to get you the right products for your yard. Mountainland Supply is an exclusive Rainbird golf distributor in Utah. That means the golf pros and superintendents trust Mountainland Supply and Rainbird for their sprinklers, controllers, pipe, and everything they need to irrigate the golf courses. Shop where the pros shop. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Now back to Brian and Bob. Hi, welcome back. Uh, really appreciate Jeff Babineau and the caddy for stopping by and sharing their insights on the wrap-up of the 2020 season and the beginning of the new 2020-2021 season as well as next week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Still to come on the back nine, hour number two, our extended conversation with Guy Yoakum as we really dive into Wingfoot, some of its history and some great storytelling by one of the great storytellers in golf journalism, Guy Yoakum, senior writer with Golf Digest. That's all straight ahead. Plus, we'll hit news and notes, which there are several to get to. All coming up on the back nine, hour number two next.
USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. On this anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, President Trump is calling those aboard United Flight 93 true heroes for their actions that day. When terrorist hijackers were looking to crash the plane in Washington, D.C., but many of the passengers rushed the cockpit and the plane went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Nineteen years ago on this day, at this very hour on this field, 40 brave men and women triumphed over terror and gave their lives in defense of our nation. Their names and their stories are forever inscribed on the eternal roll call of American heroes. The First Lady and Joe Biden also there at the event at the Flight 93 Memorial. Vice President Pence spoke at events in Lower Manhattan. Top military officials spoke at the Pentagon. This is USA Radio News. Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time. I've been on this balance of nature for quite some time now. I know that what you put in your body is critical to your health. I listen to AM radio out of Dallas, and you have these people on there witnessing about the differences made in their life. All these people aren't lying about this. I had not even had as much as a cold since I've been taking this, and I'm telling you, my energy level has increased unbelievable. So I'm impressed with it. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. Police in Portland, Oregon are no longer allowed to use tear gas against protesters, even if they turn into rioters. The mayor had banned the use of tear gas in June unless absolutely necessary. Then yesterday he banned it entirely, saying it's time to reduce the violence in that city. Portland has seen more than a 100 consecutive days and nights of protests against police brutality. Lawyers for the four former Minneapolis police officers charged in George Floyd's death want separate trials for their clients. They're expected in court today to try to convince a judge to go along with their request. Senate Democrats have succeeded at blocking a Republican stimulus bill. No Democrats voted for advancing that measure in a procedural vote yesterday. It was aiming to expand liability protections and unemployment benefits. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. More now on remembering 9-11, 19 years ago today. Now the president is here. Uh, he just finished uh, reading to some children at the Emma Booker Elementary School and was asked about the incident. He said he was aware of it. I'm a few blocks from the World Trade Center right now. The scene is absolutely a horrific one. You have people streaming out of the area. You've got people literally in tears and shock. I looked up in the air. There was an airplane actually going into the World Trade Center. This is going to be a day that's going to live in infamy. 
and, you know, it's going to cause changes in terms of security like this country has never seen before. President Bush is about to speak. He's in Florida. Today we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center. Now we understand that there is an explosion. There has been an explosion in the Pentagon, the heart of the military uh, command center of the United States of America, John. It can't get much worse than this, let's hope. This is the kind of terrorist attack that is the nightmare that uh, experts and others have warned about, uh, but some of us may have thought really could not happen on such a scale. This is quite remarkable. That at 93, Cleveland, do you still hear the center? United 93, do you still hear Cleveland? 80 miles southwest of Pittsburgh, this uh, United Airlines Flight 93 crashed. For USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please... Get and read The Secret War. Pick up your phone and call right now. 800-932-5517. 800-932-5517. Once again, that's 800-932-5517. The Second Nine. The finishing holes, the closing stretch. It starts now. Here's the back nine, our number two of Real Golf Radio. With the steady stripe it down the middle, make every putt because it's in your blood, Bob Casper, and that better lucky than good handled dragon flipper, Brian Taylor. Here's Brian and Bob. Hey, welcome in. It's hour number two, the back nine of Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor with you. Bob Casper is out this week. He'll be back Next week, as we cover the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, and uh, really appreciate Jeff Bavino and the caddy for joining us on uh, hour number one. If you missed any part of the show, hit us up on Twitter at Real Golf. We'll post all the segments there, the show in its entirety, as well as the individual interviews, and so you can access it however and whenever you would like. Uh, also available on most of the podcaster sites that you frequent. Just search. Real Golf or Golf Radio or Real Golf Radio, you'll find us there, and we appreciate you listening and accessing the show however you choose to. Still to come on the back nine, we're going to welcome in Guy Yoakum, senior writer for Golf Digest. He's one of my favorite interviews. He's a storyteller. He's a historian. He's uh, he, he just has a way with words that I find to be quite intriguing, which you would expect out of a good writer, and we've had him on the show. And the one thing about Guy is you – you can't have a short conversation with Guy. And, and this isn't being critical. This is, this is actually one of the wonderful things, is you have to allow and plan for uh, an extended period of time. So we're going to do that. Uh, we've got a couple of segments set aside for Guy here in hour number two. 
And we'll talk with him about Wingfoot, uh, about Billy Casper, who he's was always uh, fond of and, and has written about. And uh, a great story coming out about Billy this week. Uh, we can we can talk about that as well. If you haven't seen the Golf Channel wrote, uh, uh, and, and we knew this was coming. We had, uh, Bob and I had been talking with, uh, with Golf Channel last week about this story, and Bob had gotten permission from, um, or they had asked for Bob's mom's permission to share some of these things. But, but basically, the story had to do with Billy Casper in the 1966 U.S. Open. Yes, Billy won the, at Wingfoot in 59, but at 66 was the Olympic Club, and that was the Arnold Palmer story, where, or the, the Arnold Palmer tournament, where he was up seven with nine to play, and Billy shot 32 on the back nine and tied him, ended up beating him the next day in a playoff. And uh, we know some of the quotes and some of the things that, that came out, like at the turn being seven down, Billy said to Arnie, hey, hey, Arnie, I just want to finish second. And Arnie said, I'll do my everything I can to help you, Bill. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, laughed. And that was part of that joking and ribbing and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, apparently there was a little jab that uh, Billy threw at Palmer after he was in the middle of his collapse, I think it was on 16, and he hit a puddle about four feet by, and it was in Billy's line. He says, what do you want me to do? And he goes, oh, why don't you keep going while you're hot? You know, hit it again while you're hot or something like that. And it was a bit of a jab. And uh, Billy felt bad about it to the point where he had to apologize before he passed in order to clear his conscience with something that seemed relatively small. Anyway, we'll talk about that and much more of the stories as we continue. Thanks for joining us. Looking ahead to next week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Brian Taylor with you right here on Real Golf Radio. When it comes to putting, alignment is arguably the most important part of the equation. Which is why Odyssey continues to set the standard for performance with the new triple track putters. Three distinct alignment lines are now centered on every triple track putter head. It's shocking how much easier it is to get it lined up. You know, it's the same visual technology used to land jets on aircraft carriers. It's that reliable and that accurate. And once you're lined up correctly, you can focus on making a great stroke with the Stroke Lab shaft. Get lined up with the new triple track putters at odysseygolf.com. Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. You might remember our supercomputer, that number-crunching golf junkie that harnessed its AI brilliance to create flash fakes, a technology that unlocked performance never before seen in a driver. Well, after our supercomputer nailed the whole making a driver go farther thing, we gave it a new challenge to design faces for the number one irons of golf. So our Maverick engineers meticulously programmed our supercomputer. It was churning and machine learning until... Boom! Maverick Irons! A breakthrough in iron construction with uniquely designed faces throughout every set. Highly optimized performance for every type of play. We're talking explosive distance, incredible ball speed, and pin-seeking control. As for the supercomputer... It's training for its next assignment. Maverick from Callaway, the number one irons in golf. Now back to Real Golf Radio with Brian and Bob. Welcome back to Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper's out this week. And uh, as always, uh, Real Golf Radio is brought to you by Callaway Golf and the new Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X 2020. This ball changes everything again. If you haven't tried it out, I encourage you to do so, and you can check it out online at CallawayGolf.com. So I left off talking about that story about Billy Casper on Golf Channel. Again, if you haven't seen it, it's a good read. Check it out. And I I guess I just was – the interesting thing is that the story illustrates that – or 
suggests that it's not out of character necessarily for Billy or any of these guys to kind of throw a shot out or, you know, uh, give a dig, if you will. It's the fact that he held on to it for so long. That's what was so surprising. Some, you're talking 1966, and this is, you know, 40 years. And he felt like he needed to apologize for that. And it wasn't as if he said, hey, hit it while you're hot, Arnie. And he went up and missed the putt and rushed him and made him feel bad, right? In that scenario, I could I can understand. But the fact that he made the putt, it really was, it seemed to be inconsequential. But as Billy said in the, to the, the guy that related the story, it's complicated. And when he went to apologize, he says, Arnie, I'm sorry. He says, oh, it's okay. They didn't even say what it is that they were talking about, but they both knew. So apparently that was one of those things and even though they had interacted and spent so much time together, think about all the time at the Masters every year. Champions locker room, champions dinner, all that kind of stuff. I Billy introduced me to Arnold Palmer one time, and he couldn't have been more gracious. There was no sense of any kind of animosity, uh, which you wouldn't expect. I mean, they're both pros, and they're both legends in the game and very personable people, and 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 that's the way it went. But anyway, really, really good stuff. So speaking of Billy Casper, uh, one of the things that he is most famous for is winning the 59 Open at winged foot by laying up on the par three third hole. You guys have probably heard this story. So we had a chance. I dug up some old audio from back in 2006 prior to us going back to winged foot. So it had been this very week pre, of course, this would have been normally in June, but, you know, the, the U.S. Open preview show, we caught up to Billy before the 2006 Open at winged foot, and we asked him about this laying up, and this is what he had to say. Well, the whole idea was that... Uh... I think in the practice round, I made a double bogey. I hit the ball uh, even with the flag to the to the left in the trap, and it took me two to get out of the trap, and I wound up making a double bogey. And I analyzed the hole that if you hit the ball to where you got ten high, right or left, you you didn't necessarily need to make a, a bogey, let alone a par. So. I decided that the best way to play the hole is to play it short, pitch it onto the green, and just accept bogey and go on. And, of course, uh, I hit four good pitch shots and made four nice putts, and I walked away from the hole even par for the week. And ended up winning by a shot, right? Yes, and Rosberg's still mad at me. (laughs) He says, you laid up four days in a row and you beat me by a shot. (laughs) On number three. Uh... (laughs) Do you think anybody, any tour players today would have the uh, the guts uh, or even the mindset to lay up on a par three? I don't think so because they hit the ball so much further than we did, uh, Brian. You know, uh, when we played the hole, it was about 215 yards, and it, and it was a two iron or a four wood. Now, 215 yards is no more than about a four iron for them today, so they're not going to lay up. All right, there you go. That was Billy Casper from back in 2006 talking about the famous laying up. And I'll never forget the first time Bob and I had a chance to play Wingfoot. He stepped up there with a uh, hybrid and knocked it like six feet from the hole. And the caddies were like, we tell that story about your dad every time we loop for somebody out here. And here's the sun come along, new technology. And you think about that, you know, the hole was lengthened, I believe, another 30 yards or something for that 06, you know, playing almost 250 and the guys are still probably hitting four iron up there, right? Um, you know, it's 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 just a different the technology, the the physicality, the club head speed that players are able to generate today 
vastly different than what Billy played back in uh, the 50s uh, when he was there. But it takes guts, you know. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to lay up and do that and talk about his short game. He went on to talk about his 114 putts for the week. That's just a little over 28 a round. Only had one three putt, and it was the 10th hole on Sunday. So there, there's there's a lot of indicators as to what it takes to get around Wingfoot. You also got to drive it straight, and Billy talked about that in that interview as I was listening back. He says, not only straight, but you need to be a high ball hitter, in his opinion, because the greens are so firm, you need to be able to get it up there in order to stop it anywhere near the hole. It's got to come in high and soft. And, of course, you know, when you talk about having to, you know, hit the ball straight, you got you have to hit it in the fairway and – avoid the rough because as Phil Mickelson so eloquently said back in 2006 about Wingfoot's rough it's dangerous it really is yeah so uh you know it's that that's something to note it's dangerous it really is you know Phil didn't want to hurt himself in a practice round so uh there you go it, you, you got to be careful and, and I think it's worth noting that there's not going to be the trampled down areas wide of the fairways for the big misses to get a little bit of a break it's not going to happen. There's nobody going to be out there. So the, that thick rough awaits wherever you happen to hit it. And the further offline, the bigger the penalty. All right, let's talk about uh, – we'll, we'll hear more about Billy coming up with Guy Yoakum. But a couple of other things to note. Brooks Kepka, if you hadn't heard, the two-time U.S. Open champ is out with an injury. So it continues to linger. He has to withdraw. And, uh, I, I mean, he has to be thinking, you know, we got to be better for the Masters, right? Um, he's won two U.S. Opens. I'm sure he wants a green jacket. Uh, but you look at <clears throat> Brooks, he didn't have the – he went for a little bit of, a, of an alternative approach to his knee, and it still continues to linger. So, anyway, there's some questions there, but it's unfortunate that Brooks won't be at Wingfoot. Um, you start looking at uh, past uh, winners at Wingfoot. You start looking at all the way back to Bobby Jones back in 1929 as an amateur one. Uh, Billy Casper, I mentioned 30 years later in 59. Hell, Irwin in 74, that was the massacre. Seven over par, the winning score. 1984, Fuzzy Zeller, 10 years later, won at seven under par, the only U.S. Open winner to finish under par. Davis Love won the PGA Championship there in 1997 at 11 under par, but again, PGA Championship, not a U.S. Open. And then Jeff Ogilvie, plus five. 285 in the 2006 U.S. Open. So if you're putting an over-under on this thing, or you're starting to think, you know, what is it about or what's it going to take? It's probably going to be, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess it's four, five, six over par. I mean, it's, it's got to be right in that range. So if you're going to go around there shooting one over par every round, I think you win this thing, which will be interesting to see. And then again, look at the high ball hitters. Look at those that are straight. Some of the names that I would throw out, Justin Thomas, Leads in strokes, gain T to green. Uh, a, a straight hitter and a good, really good, exceptional putter and a past U.S. Open champ, Webb Simpson. So I think somebody that you got to keep an eye on. Brendan Todd has the stats. Does he? Is he mentally ready? He's had the wins this year. Is he mentally ready to step up and be a U.S. Open champ? So those are some of the things to think about. And, of course, if Rory's driving it well, you know, hey, uh, he's always somebody you got to look at. Jason Day, uh, probably the highest ball hitter on tour. So that might be somebody to take a look at. Hey, we'll get into more of this. We'll talk more about some of the players, some of the favorites going into this. Guy Yoakum, Senior Writer Golf Digest, joins me coming up next to preview the upcoming U.S. Open at Wingfoot. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. 
Hey, when you're not hunting birdies on the golf course, you may just want to hunt or shoot. Get some guns and ammo. Yeah, it's what you want. It's also the name of the store. Stop in one of the four locations along the Wasatch Front with Get Some Guns and Ammo stores in Murray, Orem, Layton, and Tooele. A great selection of firearms. An indoor shooting range for rifle, pistols, and shotguns. And Get Some has a large selection of range gun rentals so you can try it before you buy it. Beginners are welcome. Come and learn from the experts at Get Some. Guns and Ammo, open seven days a week. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. You might know Mountain Land Supply for its plumbing products, but did you know Mountain Land Supply also carries landscaping, irrigation supplies, and tools. They can help you design and calculate the exact feet of pipe, sprinkler heads, and nozzles to use for your yard. Using smartphone technology, you can even control your watering with state-of-the-art controllers. For all your landscaping needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Hi, fellow sports fans. It's Ned Siegfried. What would we do without sports? Following our favorite sports teams, whether it be the Jazz or the Utes or the Cougs, takes our mind off the many challenges in life. Accidents and their resulting injuries are certainly unexpected challenges that many people are forced to deal with. If you're one of these people, we'd love to talk to you about your situation. Call us at 801-222-2222. We'll talk to you for free. Or visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. Now back to Real Golf Radio, talking golf back when 300-yard drives were big. For real, here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper's out this week, but thanks so much for being a part of the show. Reminder, Twitter handle is at RealGolf. You can also find us uh, by searching Real Golf Radio on most of your favorite podcaster sites. Really excited to continue looking forward to next week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot in New York. And uh, welcome in a good friend of ours. He's formerly uh, right here in our community and has been living out there in the New York uh, area for, well, most of the last, what, 20, 30 years, I suppose. Senior writer for Golf Digest, Guy Yoakum, joining us now. Hey, Guy, what's it been, about 20, 30 years, 40 years? How long have you been out there? Yeah, 37 exactly, mm. almost. 
you know, uh, long enough for my hair to go completely gray. And, uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's okay. You know, when I go out there, all, all the people who don't like me, they, that's okay. Cause they wouldn't recognize me. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that, but, uh, Hey, it is always fun. I'm, I'm glad you take some, uh, took some time for us tonight because you know, the, the opens coming to town, uh, right in uh, your backyard there at winged foot. And, you know, Bob's not here tonight, but we, obviously this is a special place. Bob and I've had a chance to play there a couple of times at winged foot. And, and of course his dad, Billy Casper winning there in 1959 among the great champions that, have won U.S. Opens there. I mean, Bobby Jones in 29, Billy in 59, Irwin, Fuzzy, um, you know, and then Jeff Ogilvie in 2006 in a, in a most awkward finish for uh, players like Furyk and Monty and, and of course, Phil Mickelson. But uh, just your thoughts when you think about Winged Foot as a U.S. Open venue, what, what are the things that come to mind for you? Well, you know, when you just look at it sort of casually at, at arm's length and you hear winged foot and, and you know a little of winged foot, it just seems like, a, well, it's a shrine of American golf. And it's this storied old uh, golf course with a, with a, a colorful past. Um, it's, it's really beautiful. It's, it just has all this history and sort of amb- ambiance around it that, um, that's sort of the superficial view, I, I think. And, and even when you go there or visit there and play there, but you know, when the U S open comes around, it's, uh, to me, it just emits, uh, the vibe sort of changes out of wing foot. It's, it's all of those things I just said, but it's, but it, it suddenly grows fangs and it's, it's foreboding and it's, it's mean and it's the quintessential, U.S. Open test. There's, there's no doubt about it. It just, uh, uh, you, you, you just know it. Like, like the players who have been there before, and they know they're going back there. Uh, you can tell that they're, uh, they're almost afraid of it. You know, of, of, of what's going to happen. You know, it's, uh, it's like a little kid going when they jump into bed. And they think there's alligators under the bed. You know, so they jump up on the bed so the alligator won't come up and bite them. That's how Wingfoot is. You can feel it coming, and it uh, it, it just weaponizes uh, every every uh, every feature that a, a difficult golf course can bring to bear, except water. Uh, but every other aspect that can make golf difficult and is is really. Uh, really subjects you, you know, the players to the crucible of competition, the, the most thorough, awesomely difficult and hard and unrelenting uh, demand that can make on a golfer. It has all that and more. It's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time. I just love it when the Open comes here. Guy Yoakum joining me here on Real Golf Radio. Looking forward to next week's U.S. Open Championship. You know, to, to your point, uh, Bobby Jones uh, it was three over par, uh, when uh, when he won, yeah, Billy was plus two in 59, 20 years later, 30 years later. And then, uh, of course, there was the, the massacre uh, at well, plus seven when Irwin won. And, and maybe a, a response to that with Fuzzy gets it at seven under. Um, but then, you know, uh, it was it was plus five when uh, Jeff Ogilvie won. So outside of 84, everything's been over par between two and seven over par. So, you know, th- th- that goes to show you, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough and it's a bit of a survival test. It is. And I, you know, there's been sort of a trend, I think, uh, with the USGA and most golf course setups and, 
sometimes even in like the case of a congressional, some of the, the, the venues they've chosen, um, Aaron Hills, play, places like that, where they've kind of gotten a little softer. You know, people were, I think there's this trend where people were sick of, of rough. They didn't like it. They liked to see birdies. Uh, they kind of redefined what we thought of as a fair golf course, a fair setup. And USGA suffered a lot of criticism, you know, for some uh, mistakes they made in some of these, these course setups. And so as a result, I think they, it kind of became easier. And it kind of became U.S. Open was a lot of things, but it wasn't a fearsome test. You know, it didn't evoke fear. It, 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 I think for a lot of times it wasn't necessarily the, the hardest test that you saw all year, you know. But this, I think that that's reversing. I, I think it's palpable. Uh, you know, you, you see what happened at, at Olympia Fields a couple of weeks ago. You know, it, it played really hard, and people liked it. It was uh, you didn't hear a lot of complaints, and uh, you didn't. The Twitter mob wasn't wasn't complaining about it too much. Um, the players all thought that the setup was fair and all that, and so I think that. With that, I think it sort of gives Wingfoot a license to sort of be Wingfoot, which is it's just a scary, difficult test. And I, I think that's where the USGA, I think that's where their heart really is. I, I think some of these these tests have been a little easier lately, but I don't. I think that USGA, Mike Davis, uh, I don't know about John Bodenhamer, but I think they were taken kind of kicking and screaming into that, that easier setup type thing. This, I feel like they feel a little more licensed to be a little more difficult, not a little more, a lot more. And mm. I think that what we're going to see uh, next week is, I think it's going to be shocking to some people. I, I don't, I think the, the winning score is going to be way over pop. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, the seven, eight over, uh, I think that is very much in play and the character that the, the essence of watching it, that'll be a little bit different too. You know, obviously with no fans, that'll be uh, different for, for this major as it is with all golf. But I think it will be kind of a grinding kind of thing to watch, you know, Wingfoot, a lot of that on television, a lot of it is sort of monochromatic. It's, it's green, it's, it's lush. Um, there's not really breathtaking backdrops and all that. I think we're going to get a lot of views of the clubhouse because uh, the clubhouse is, is pretty. But what it's going to be is just kind of, a, kind of a grinding. These telecasts will be long, the nature of the competition. You won't see a lot of smiles on, on the faces of players. Um, it's going to wear guys down. And, uh, I, I, you know, if they have the players mic, I don't, <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll hear a little, it'll hear a few four letter words. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's going to be tough. And it's, I think just the person who likes kind of their sugar fix when they watch golf and they like to see guys, uh, go low and, and hit it close to the hole and astound you with these reckless, vicious, long drives, you know, drive anywhere. It's, and it's going to be something different than that. It's there's not going to be a ton of birdies, and I don't think uh, you're going to see a handful of low scores even the whole week. 
And so it'll be, it'll be sort of a plotting thing to watch, if you will. But if you're a real golf purist uh, and you appreciate competition and you want to see someone suffer a little, you know, and make, <laughs> make pros look like the rest of us, uh, look no further than next week and, and wait for it because it's the real deal. It's always that debate, isn't it? Uh, Guy Yoakum joining us. It's always one of those scenarios where people will ask me, do you like that? Are you a fan of that type of golf where players are happy to get away with a bogey in certain circumstances or they're pitching out of the rough, you know, with a sand wedge uh, from the middle of the fairway and then having to hit a six iron up to the green and hopefully get up and down uh, as opposed to watching birdies. And some people are a fan of, of watching guys go low and do spectacular things. And, and other guys uh, appreciate to see pros, as you said, grind the way we feel like we amateurs have to do on on a somewhat regular basis on much easier setup so it does equalize us a little bit um the pros uh to the amateurs in a sense although certainly uh you know an amateur trying to take on that type of a golf course would be uh would be lucky to to break 130 um under certain certain circumstances let's talk about billy casper real quick 1959 you shared with me some audio that you had a conversation with billy from from some time ago when he talked about laying up on the par three third hole that that's kind of goes down in lore it's one of those historical things where he said he, he was basically playing for bogey he wasn't even trying to make par which he did all four days but he was essentially saying i'm gonna accept my bogey because i feel like there's such a bigger number out there uh the way the golf with well, the way that hole set up for uh the length of the that he could hit it back in the day that's right it, it, nobody ever had a higher golf iq than, than Billy Casper, and he he spoke about that week at Wingfoot in 1959 in almost a reverential way because I I think uh, for for him it's like a light bulb went on for him. Uh, he he told me he had actually uh, he had attended an exhibition at, at San Diego Country Club when he was a teenager. He, he grew up in San Diego. And Hogan, uh, Ben Hogan, uh, gave this exhibition. He was playing with an Englishman. He thinks it was Guy Reese, but he wasn't sure. But he, he was just an impressionable kid. And he, he said Hogan played a practice round for the exhibition. And so Billy was watching Hogan play. And he would watch him go out in the fairways, and he would, he would put down a ball left side of fairway, left center of fairway, center of fairway, right center of fairway, and right side. And the way that he studied angles and, 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 and the way that he would play away from a lot of flags, it was an intellectual, uh, really strategic way to play golf. And that suggested to Bill that that, that might be the way to do it. And when he went to wing foot, he'd been a tour pro for maybe four years and played his first round of golf there, his first practice round. He knew something resonated uh, inside of him. He he thought if you know if if I'm ever going to win a U.S. Open, this would be the one. And I think he saw the difficulty of it. He he saw the way that it could tempt players, and he knew that patience would be really important. And he knew that uh, bogeys were going to happen. He just he had that sort of wisdom and deep inside of him, sort of that high golf IQ uh, to know to approach the game that way. So he he did lay up uh, short of the third hole, all four rounds, chipped up, one putted every time. And 
you know, it, beyond that, it's he just killed it with the putter. He he one putted nine straight greens uh, from Saturday's third round into the first six holes of of uh, the Sunday round of, of the final round, and. You know, it's Wingfoot is primarily a, a, a ball striker's golf course. But uh, you know, some say Casper's the greatest putter of all time, and I think he he killed it uh, with the putter that week. He had he had 114 putts for the week, remarkable. Uh, which I, which is remarkable, and I don't think we'll be seeing. That's a good stat. I mean, to, uh, let's see how many putts the, the winner has this week. I, I venture it will be more than 114. So um, it's just awesome to hear him talk about that. His his voice would kind of go low and uh, you know, it, it made him. It, he won, he won $12,000 for that. It, it gave him some financial relief. He talked about the excitement of, of getting the check from the USGA in the mail. Uh, Joe Dye, the president of the USGA, sent him the check through the mail and uh, gave him some relief and it, it gave him confidence and it instilled in him that, that an affirmation that the way he approached golf and the way he played it um, was the right way to do it. And, you know, that's how he won the 66 U.S. Open at, at, at Olympic. I mean, he, it was that same shrewd, it, it, you know, it's not just, wasn't just Arnold Palmer blowing a seven shot lead. Bill Casper played very patiently on that back nine at Olympic. He, he shot 32 on the back nine. And you just see him. He just has the pulse of a snake. He, he never was demonstrative or, or got too excited. He just, he just thought his blood pressure wasn't going to go up an ounce from this stuff. And he, he knew when he was in the top of the golf course that um, the people would fall around him. He, he knew what it took. He had a conviction that uh, that if he hung in there and played his style of golf, didn't take chances, accepted bogeys, knew that they were invent, uh, inevitable, and uh, uh, just sort of played this, uh, beat you with his intellect, along with his considerable golf skills, that that, that was the way to do it. So he's he's one of the all-time greats there's there's no doubt about it 51 tour victory just staggering really what he accomplished and he sometimes it seemed like he did it with one hand tied behind his back you mm. know he, he he was not a big personality he didn't have a a lot of distractions he was a, a family man um i don't think he was a, a kind of a grinding big practicer um, he wasn't like, uh, he, he didn't spend a lot of time in the gym. I think he lived clean, but I was, he, wasn't <laughs> a, he wasn't a physical maniac and, uh, um, uh, just a unique, a unique character. It's every time, um, the open comes to Wingfoot or, or us open arrives period. I always give a few minutes of thought to Bill Casper. He was, he was something. That's a wonderful tribute. Uh, can you hang on one second? We've got to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to ask you about sort of the opposite of that. I, and that maybe isn't fair, but the way Phil Mickelson sort of went down fantastically on the 72nd hole the last time it was uh, the Open was contested at Wingfoot. I just wanted to contrast that approach and get your thoughts on some of the, the players to watch next week. You okay to hang on for a sec? Sure. All right. Hang on. We'll take a a short break. We'll come back more with Guy Yoakum here as we look forward to next week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot right here on Real Golf Radio. 
born from 10 years of research and innovation. The shaft synonymous with high performance and unrivaled feel is back. Introducing the all-new Matori X from Fujikura. Built to amplify the performance of today's driver heads with a reinforced bias core and a torsionally stiffened handle, Matori X doesn't just add speed and stability, it multiplies it. Get custom fit from Matori X today. Those who know love heading to St. George, Utah for year-round fun, especially golf. But where to stay is always a challenge, and getting a tee time can be tough. What if there was a Scottsdale-style golf resort in St. George where you can stay and play? And what if you could own your own residence there? Well, now there is. Introducing Black Desert Resort at Entrada. The second and final chapter of the Entrada Vision offers a full community with exceptional amenities from residential villages, hiking trails through preserved lava flows, spa, world-class dining and shopping, and a Tom Weiskopf Championship Golf Course. It's literally an outdoor paradise that will strengthen family bonds and make lifelong memories. That's life at Black Desert. Find out how you can stake your claim at blackdesertresort.com blackdesertresort.com exclusive real estate opportunities are available now black desert resort at entrada unlike anything you've experienced before you're listening to real golf radio now back to brian and bob all right, welcome back to the show. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper's out this week, but thanks so much for joining us as we continue our conversation with Guy Yoakum, senior writer for Golf Digest. And by the way, the show brought to you in part by Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. And uh, certainly that will play, putting will be a major factor next week, as it always is during a U.S. Open. All right, Guy, thanks for hanging on with us. Really appreciate that. When you, we'd been talking about Bill and his, Billy Casper and his uh, conservative approach, laying up on a par three, his precision, his, his, his uh, um, discipline, if you will. Phil Mickelson probably doesn't fit that description, although he is very exciting to watch. He's been extremely successful. He only has six less wins, seven less wins than what Billy has, and I think an extra major. So he's obviously very, very successful. But the one thing that's eluded him is this U.S. Open. With a one-shot lead on the 72nd hole, take me back to your thoughts as, as that happened. And again, remember, Phil had just won the previous two majors, uh, the, the, the 05 uh, PGA at Baltusrol, uh, right? And then uh, came around and, and won the Masters earlier that spring. And now here he was. Tiger had just missed the cut. This was an opportunity for Phil Mickelson to kind of take over the, uh, uh, an area where Tiger had dominated for so long, and the seventy-second hole happened. That's right. I, it, it, it was, you know, even now when you look back and and, and rewatch that, it's it's uh, it's still uh, sort of a, a car wreck in slow motion, and you you wonder how that could happen. And uh, you know, you break it down, and it, it kind of gets more interesting the way that you you look at the sequence of events on that hole. You know, Phil had driven the ball terribly all day. He 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 missed the fairway on the first hole. I, I think he hit it the adjoining fairway. It was he was really struggling with his driver, and and uh, but you know his short game was so good. And I, I think back then uh, it was already into a, uh, into this trend I was talking about of slightly. Kind of easier U.S. Open setups. Uh, they had introduced graduated rough, mm-hmm. so you didn't go right from fairway into the hay. 
and uh, it was a little easier that way. And Phil drove a crooked, but, but without the rough being up really bad around the greens and whatnot, he his, he was able uh, to let his short game uh, kind of take over. It saved him a lot, you know, on that that last day. But so when he comes to 18, I mean, he's right there. And the second he took out the driver. There was misgivings. I mean, if you're watching that toast thing, oh no, you know what 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 can happen here? And sure enough, he 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 hit a big a big push slice. It was a really a terrible drive uh, for a player of that caliber. And what then happened, I think, is one of the worst breaks, uh, stealthy bad breaks that you'll ever see anyone get. It, it's uh, it's sort of like what happened to Jean Vandeveld at the British Open. In that, Phil hit that drive so bad, it went so far to the right that it hit a hospitality tent there, and it kicked back to the right towards the fairway. It didn't reach the fairway. It was still in that tree line, and those trees at Wingfoot are, are main and huge and, and nasty. And, you know, if that hospitality tent weren't there, uh, the, if, Phil's decision would have been made for him. It would have gone in the other fairway. He would have had no choice but to play back to the 18th fairway. But as it was, it was kind of a bad break. It was like, it was, at least it was uh, a, a, a fortuitous break. It was a, a, a weird break that it kicked back there because now it gave Phil a chance to be Phil, which is the gambler. The, you know, this, I can do this uh, to take this unnecessary risk of, of trying to play towards the green from these trees. And he saw a little window up there. And uh, I, I it, you know, Bones Mackay did not call him off of that shot. I mean, there was criticism level to him like, Phil, dude, wait a minute, wait a minute here. I mean, if he, you know, he makes five, he, he ties, right? So, you know, what does he do? He goes for it and, uh, you know, hits the trees, comes back. Now he's dead. And now you could almost see his face turn white mm. because it, it changed all in that second. Now he, he knew, he knew he's got to somehow make five and six is totally in play here. And, uh, you know, if he plays back to the fairway, uh, now he's got to get up and down to make bogey, and that's that's not easy. And so he goes at it again, and this time he hits it in the left-hand bunker. Bad lie, terrible lie. Uh, those bunkers, that's one of the features uh, of Wingfoot that is so hard. All the greens are pitched up a little bit. From It's, it's not a real hilly golf course. It's, it's sort of flat, really, for, for Westchester County. And these, but these greens are kind of pushed up a little bit. And the bunkers, when you hit into the bunker there, you're always hit, the green is elevated. You know, when you're in one of those deep bunkers, the green always kind of seems to be at eye level. You know, it's just not your, the kind of bunker shots that are, that are duck soup easy. And you combine that with another weapon they have. It's, it's, is the firmness of those greens. It's really hard to hit a standard bunker shot and to kind of make the ball just check and then grab. There, there's something about the, the subsoil there. It's Those greens are so 
sperm underneath it. Uh, boy, it's it's like a, a different thing. Unless until you see it, it's almost harder to describe. Oakmont is is similar, I think, but that uh, that subsurface is so firm. When when a ball lands on it, you can hear it, and it's almost a high pitched trebled noise. It's like wrapping your elbow with your knuckles or, or dropping a billiard ball onto onto a floor. It makes this clack noise. It's just different. The character of it is. And so now he's got this hard bunker shot that you know it's gonna be impossible for him to stop. And he didn't stop it. It goes across the green into the tall green side rough and even Phil Mickelson's short game, it's it was kind of over by then. It really was. And he you know, it's painful he, just listening chip. back to it. <laughs> oh, it was it was not, you know, it's tough. If you love golf, even if you're not a Phil fan, you just don't want to see yeah. a human implode like this. He'd worked this for this. He had dreamed of this his whole life. He told me when he was a teenager that the, the, the title he wanted most was the U.S. Open. That's what he had always looked forward to. And I don't know, he, he just did not have the... It's just kind of a feature of him. He's just loaded with just so much talent, just so much like the golf guy just smiled on him and gave him this exquisite touch and a, and a good body, great hands and and size. And he saw the game in an interesting way, but the Lord didn't give everybody a full set, you know, and he <laughs> lacked this, this feature. He did. He lacked this feature of, of discipline and, and, you know, sort of that high golf IQ that we're talking about, you know, that just, it, it hurt him. You know, I, I think he, it's hard to say that, come outright and say that Phil is, you know, under, underperformed, underachieved, that uh, you see that kind of talent, you can't help but think it's true. And uh, so it got away. Yeah. You know, and and he, he says, he what is, what an idiot. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. Uh, I just, <laughs> what an idiot I am. And then he moves on, you know, he, yep. he just the next week, it's like, you know, you want to go have dinner? How about those chargers? You know, <laughs> it's just like he, you know, but I, I think it, as he looks back, you know, as he gets old and older and grayer, he, you know, he'll look back and he'll say once again, what an idiot, mm. you know, but, Hey but guy, before guy. before we let you go, uh, and we're just about out of time, but your, your thought, what who do you like? I mean, Brooks obviously has kind of been a major dominator for the last couple of years. He's out with injury. Uh, a lot of question marks around Tiger. Um, you mentioned Phil Mickelson. He's in. I mean, that would be a, a Disney story if, if he was somehow able to do something. But you've got a lot of great players. Xander Shoffley's playing well. DJ, obviously, probably the hottest guy on the planet. You know, you look, Rory seems like he's due. Uh, what what are, who, who do you like? Who stands out? What do you what do you expect to kind of how it to play out from a from a competitor standpoint next week? That's amazing. You mentioned Xander Shoffley. I, I go through the I go up and down the PGA tour. My list. And I go. Who do I like in this thing? You know, and there are so many traits, so many uh, qualities of a of a person's game that would seem to disqualify uh, certain guys. You think, ah, not him, not him, not him. But, you know, what I'm looking for overall is I think it's going to be an unflappable player and a player who can sort of take his lumps a little bit, uh, a player who can stay focused, and and also a guy who's just a good ball striker. I, I, I mean, it's 
the, the, the driver is so important. It's this rough, it's five inches tall, and it's not just the length of it, it's the quality of it. It's lush, it's, lush, it's dense, it's just impossible. And that is going to wear guys down. You hit it over there, and it's just like, oh, that's a bogey. And Shockley just seems to have a temperament that, that's, I don't know if he, if he ever does it. It, it, it could be a good week for him. And, and I, uh, the, the really good players, you just got to like Dustin Johnson. I mean, he's, I know he had a little, he wasn't driving it straight all last week, but he, he did get his driver straightened out towards the end. And I think he's the guy. I really do. And until proven otherwise, I, 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 you know, I, I just think that Dustin's destined to do it. We know he doesn't have all the majors he should have. And that would be sort of righteous. Other guys, maybe Colin Morikawa for the young players. Again, really good ball striker. And you've got to, you've got to hit those greens. I think it's, it's the guy who can drive it straight, get it on those greens. Um, maybe it's just such a big championship that Colin is so young, he, he's not scared of it. You know, he doesn't know better. <laughs> he doesn't know how hard it is. And so I like him. I like a steady guy, Patrick Cantley. I know he's not playing awesome right now, but I like his temperament. I, if he has a good week, he would be a good pick. Uh, and Adam Scott, you know, again, you know, it's uh, it's not going to be a guy automatically. You always look top, top five or six on the money list, but I have a feeling it's going to be some, some veteran, uh, you know, someone with this great temperament and a solid, tested performer um, like Adam Scott, you know, who, who, who will come in and, and to me, they're the favorites. They're the, they're Justin Thomas, maybe. But, uh, yeah, he leads in uh, strokes gain tee to green, so that's a good one. But, you know, Adam Scott, look, Jeff Ogilvie and Ozzy uh, won it the last time. So, you know, who knows? Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, Guy, unfortunately, we're out of time, but uh, always, always a pleasure to get your insight. And I love your way with words. Love how you tell a story, uh, which is why you've been such a successful writer all these years. And, uh, we, you know, it's always just good to catch up with you, man. Thank you, man, and uh, always good to talk to you, Brian. I, I know Bob's a hunting moose in, in Alaska. <laughs> I don't know how that can be more fun than playing golf, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, don't piss off the moose, Bob, wherever you are. They're, they're, they're bigger than you. I've been chased by a moose once. It was frightening, so, yeah, I would not recommend it for sure. <laughs> so. All right, All right we'll right, ca- enjoy the open. We'll catch up to you again real soon. Thanks, Brian. There you go. Guy Yoakum joining us right here on Real Golf Radio. Very kind of him to share such an increased amount of time and share some stories. And uh, there's some good players uh, to look forward to. And we know one thing for sure. It is going to be an event at Wingfoot next week for the U.S. Open. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll wrap up the show next. Thanks for joining us. Brian and Bob with you right here on Real Golf Radio. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. 
Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. Hotel Park City, along with the Spa and Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, are open. Parents were tired, forced into homeschooling, juggling work at home and kids at home. Well, take a staycation and escape to Hotel Park City. The pool's open, fitness center, bandanas grill, Ruth's Chris, the spa, and the golf course. From suites and the cottages that offer private hot tubs on the balcony and three fireplaces, you got to get away. To Hotel Park City, call 435-940-5077. That's 435-940-5077 for reservations today. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Temperatures are rising, and you know what that means. It's time to turn your water on your sprinklers. Turn to the experts at Mountainland Supply to get you the right products for your yard. Mountainland Supply is an exclusive Rainbird Golf distributor in Utah. That means the golf pros and superintendents trust Mountainland Supply and Rainbird for their sprinklers, controllers, pipe, and everything they need to irrigate the golf courses. Shop where the pros shop. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Now back to Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back. Thanks so much to Guy Yoakum. Thanks to Jeff Babineau, the caddy as well in Hour 1. Follow us on Twitter or download us on your favorite podcaster site. Twitter handle is at Real Golf. Search Real Golf Radio or Golf Radio wherever your podcasts are found to hear any of the show that you might have missed. U.S. Open next week. When I start looking at players... You look at strokes gained tee to green. You got to drive it well. You got to get it on the green in regulation. Justin Thomas, the top 20 reads like a who's who. Justin Thomas, Matsuyama, Rom, Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, Tony Finau, Webb Simpson, Bryson DeChambeau, Victor Hovland, Daniel Berger. There's a lot of players in there. How, which one of those guys can putt? Well, only two of them inside the top 20, and that's Berger and Webb in, in strokes gained putting. But then you look at the who's who of winners at Wingfoot, and you think these are Hall of Famers. In fact, the last time when Ogilvy won, there were three Hall of Famers that finished runner-up. So you start looking at who are the future Hall of Famers. I think I like the looks of also past U.S. Open champs. I think Rory McIlroy and mm, Justin Thomas. I think those are my two guys with Webb Simpson 
as my dark horse. Enjoy it. U.S. Open coming up from Wingfoot next week. We'll have all the coverage right here on Real Golf Radio. Bob's out this week. He'll be back for Dave Glauser. I'm Brian Taylor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week right here on Real Golf Radio. Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com. It's been real. Hi, this is Jay Ritchie, the co-host of Tita Green, the golf show, the show by golfers for golfers. Be sure to join us every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time when we talk golf live from the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado Springs, Colorado, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network.